0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 83 of the Switch Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me this week is Ginny Wu. Hi! And Andrew Brown.
1: Hello! Uh,
0: Feels like an age since we've been on the same show in person, Ginny.
2: Yeah, I just feel like it's been ages, but here we
0: are. Uh, So you'll be pleased to know that I spent my uh, long weekend building a gaming PC. So, oh, yes. Uh, by law, I think now every time a new game is announced for Switch, I have to say, well, will this run on Switch? <laughs> and then point out that it doesn't r- run as well as on a semi decent PC. Yeah. Uh, so that's my role in the podcast now. Mm. Um, Accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Look forward to that. Uh, <laughs> and I'll be going on about frame rates and. Perfect. Uh, Someone's got to. Light, lighting quantizations. I don't know. I'm making this <laughs> stuff up. I still don't know what I'm doing yet. Okay. So uh, in this uh, episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, we're gonna chat about Nintendo's response to the, the Joy-Con Drift, uh, which is the worst, uh, Fast and Furious movie ever, by the way.
1: Huh. Fast and the Furious Nintendo <laughs> Drift. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Except they're slow, and slow to respond, but we'll get on to that. <laughs> we're gonna talk about, uh, Super Mario Maker 2, and how, uh... Levels are being handled on devices, some Doom news, and then we're going to talk a bit about Fire Emblem Three Houses. Okay, so with that, uh, let's get on to our updates from the previous episode. Okay, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. Uh, I think both me and Andrew have finished it, but we've ended up on opposite ends of the spectrum, as you, you might have thought from last week's chat. That's fine. We're individuals and you can just rest assured in knowing that one of us is right.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Andy. I appreciate that.
0: Hey, I, I just imagine our uh, listeners seeing us both fight and just because we're both called Andrew and a white voices on the, the internet, they just don't know which one of us to shoot. And it's definitely you. <laughs> fight, fight! Fight!
1: Fight! <laughs> fight! Fight! Fight!
0: Uh, so, okay, so I, f- I finished it. Uh, last week I was sort of in a- agreement that the combat was very grindy i still think that's the case but i got to a a boss fight late on i don't want to say who because there's a a mild twist with that one Spoiler. yeah and i i sort of bashed my head against it a bit um and then i i sort of came to the conclusion that i must be doing something wrong and that's when i sort of got stuck into the uh, character stats and looking Mm -hmm. at how my team was made up and then i that's when i noticed that uh, a lot of the so some of the character abilities are better at staggering enemies than others basically that made uh, Psylocke uh, a mainstay in my team because she was just phenomenal at pulling that stagger meter down often in just two attacks Uh, and that that sort of really turned a corner there for me Um, and then it also the knock-on effect had me thinking more about how the character's synergy attacks linked up and my situational awareness of when to use them and just how different the characters are. Like I was maining Spidey like quite a lot throughout the game. And then I just sort of realized how one note he is. Mm-hmm. Like he's not looking at the stats and especially getting to the later st- stages. It's like, he's not great at anything except Jeez. for clearing out crowds. He's very uh, bleak. Yeah. So he's, he's not good at staggering. He's, he's not, particularly powerful compared to some of the others and but I just had to keep him in my party out of just pure bullheadedness mm-hmm. um but he was useful for like the when you're getting swarmed with weaker enemies he, he's excellent for clearing those out just everything else not so much yeah so that that sort of made me realize that it wasn't quite as one note as I thought um you can probably model through a lot of the fights just by by bashing the attack buttons mm-hmm. of which there's only two but to fight well and to clear clear enemies really quickly. You do sort of have to pay attention to this like meta game of of who's good for what and what mm. what mix-ups do well for you. And I, I started jo- enjoying it all, like heaps more after realising that. Um, and I was just having to adjust my tactics for each boss um, and sort of switch party members around. Yeah, so I, I I sort of finished it, and I, I really loved it. I think it's one of my favourite games this year. I kind of resent Fire Emblem for coming out this week, because I didn't want oh, to stop playing it. Oh, come on. It, even though I'd beaten it. Um, I've been putting a bunch of time into the uh, Infinity mode, which we touched on last week, is is a, a very low-level version of like Hyrule Warriors uh, Adventure mode. So you're just sort of jumping into little scenarios with different stat boosts or... You know, negative negative impacts or time limits, uh, and that has been a lot of fun for me. I've in, I've enjoyed doing these like little mini missions. One thing I will say is that the the lab, which is where you power up all your team abilities, so you get like seven uh, hexagons to to fill. I barely f- filled one and a half over the course of the story. Like this is really there for people that want to uh, jump in at higher difficulties and absolutely do everything in the game. It's totally the thing that you're meant to keep working towards post-game, uh, which uh, is good because I kind of want to keep playing it and it's nice to keep playing it with a point. There's a point uh, on Andrew's list I was going to completely agree with. The The one thing I, I was disappointed with is unlockable costumes. They're not very good. Spider-Man just gets a grey costume. It's not even his like, silver armour one that you you see in the, the comics or... You know, in previous games, offhand, Black Widows was just a white costume. Hulk Hulk, is at least more in line with his uh, comic origins, because he, he's grey, because he started off grey in the, the very first ones. Um, but yeah, just disappointing. I thought they could have done a lot more, especially when you're dealing with a game of really colourful characters. But yeah, that was me. Um, I, I think it's definitely rough around the edges, but I, I loved it a lot. And uh, yeah, one of my favourites. So, And you have finished it, Andrew?
1: I have finished it last weekend after we finished recording. I am of the same opinion right now that I was last week. This game is boring. Uh, (laughs) Enemies are almost uniformly meat walls, which is kind of ridiculous with some of the characters that we're talking about here. Uh, the, The best example I could come to really illustrate this for people who haven't played the game, in the Iron Man 2 movie, there's a scene where... Natasha, Black Widow, and Happy Hogan go, and they raid the enemy base, and they get up in a fight with a bunch of mooks in a hallway. Mm -hmm. And Happy Hogan steps up and is like, I'm just going to take one of these guys out, and he spends a couple minutes just in this boxing match with this guy while Black (laughs) Widow is flying around in the hallway, taking out all the other characters. And when I'm playing this game, I feel like I'm Happy Hogan, when I should be feeling like I'm Black Widow. And especially when I'm playing as a character like Thor or Hulk and i'm fighting just random guy with gun in stupid supervillain costume it shouldn't mm. take me four or five plus hits to knock him down okay they they should just die <laughs> this game does not make you feel like a superhero
0: yeah that's fair but um it it is very video game kind of kind of <laughs> thing I, I didn't have a problem with that. I just enjoyed moving through and combating, but, but that's fine.
1: I did not enjoy a single moment out of this game that was outside the boss fights. The boss fights are really good. I will give the game that. It, it's all, like, based on stay out of the fire design. There's reticles that appear on the ground. you got to make sure you're not standing in them, otherwise you will die. Or uh, just some basic bullet hell stuff that you got to navigate through. And that stuff is really interesting. And that's what a lot of the Infinity Trials are based around is fighting these bosses again under new conditions but you still have to fight all the stuff before them with the wall enemies that i've just fed up with already and i've only been playing this game for 10-ish hours yeah and going to andy's note about looking at the characters and what they are really capable of this game throws a lot of characters at you and doesn't really tell you why you should play as any of them it's like you start off with the guardians who give you a basic tutorial on like the the different character archetypes you're really going to be playing with and then once you're done with that first chapter it throws like 10 new characters at you which without telling you what any of them really do or why you should play as any one character or which team you should be using so you just kind of have to stumble around blindly and while I was stumbling around blindly through the different characters I was not having a good time and even I ended up with Psylocke on my team too because the team I ended up building was just women with swords because I thought that was cool (laughs) Uh, so I had Gamora and Black Widow and Psylocke and a new character whose name I've forgotten. She's like a vampire hunter she's really cool too. Yeah, Uh, That was my team. She was awesome. Yeah so that was the team that I had, and I didn't really feel like I was doing anything wrong with that particular team, but I just, I was not enjoying myself with this game. I just found it incredibly tedious. I'm done. I mean, <laughs> I don't see myself ever going back to this game.
0: I actually bought the DLC pass because I want more. I want more of it. And I want more story stuff, which I believe is coming.
1: They say, but uh, we'll see what that <laughs> amounts to. <laughs> uh,
0: the the other thing I wanted to mention actually was um, where where I got to last week. We were just uh, I was just sort of sticking with Spidey and just constantly playing a Spidey unless he got down, and then I had to play someone else. Um, it does actually pay a lot to switch between the characters. Like once you have, once you know who your your main staggerer is, and you stagger someone that's the point where you switch to someone else and then start hitting with heavy damage and stuff and just trying to that's the part i use trying to use these characters in these different ways but i, I do agree they could they could do a better job of telling you how to use them or you know even if, if there's just a class system
1: yeah just like an icon on the character yeah. that says what their main job in the party is that way i can actually build a balanced party from knowledge the game provides me rather than experience expects me to get unguided
0: yeah those icons are on the the abilities and it it took me ages to figure out what they they meant (laughs) but once i did i managed to to blitz through the rest so
1: i thought the icons on the abilities i thought all they meant was opening up the side doors that you come across where you need certain character combinations to open the doors i thought that was what those icons meant i had no idea they actually meant anything else
0: yeah one in particular means means stagger which is is kind of key but not not key to everything but uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's fine. We're the two Andrews on polar opposites there, but it's like he's my evil clone. It is like a comic book. <laughs> and Andrew, you've got a Bloodstained Ritual of the Night on here. Does that mean you finished it?
1: Yeah, I finished that last weekend as well. This really is, as I described it about a month back when it first came out, just the successor to the Game Boy Advance era Castlevania games. I think that's both its strength and its weakness. If that's what you're looking for, if you're a fan of those games, I think you'll enjoy it. If you missed those games and you're where game design is at now and you don't have that background and that nostalgia, then this game is probably going to do nothing for you. And whichever camp you're in, I don't think this game is going to really stand out that much for you because it doesn't do anything to stand out. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's a disappointment, but... I did manage to get through it in spite of all the technical problems. And really, once you get past the the Tower of the Twin Dragons, uh, the technical problems went away for the most part. I, I don't recall any more crashes I had. So, at least on that front, I had a good experience. But mm. this game just does nothing to stand out on its own and be its own thing. It's just hearkening back to an era that not... Everybody remembers or remembers all that fondly, and that's a weakness that it fails to overcome.
0: It's pretty much the game the developer wanted to make at the time, I think, and has finally managed to do it. Mm. Yeah, and
1: like all these games like that, like Ukulele and Mighty Number no. Nine, whatever it's called, like, yep. all those games are that same thing, and like the world thought they wanted these games, not really realizing that they had moved on. <laughs>
0: Um, has it seen any of the improvement patches yet? Do you know?
1: No, not a, mm. not a one.
0: Damn, I'm still out then. Uh, so with that, let's move on to the latest Switch news. Okay, Nintendo has finally responded to the the big Joy-Con drift scandal, I guess. Uh, As a issued a statement saying that, of course, they'll repair Joy-Cons for free if people are having issues. Uh, it seems to be US-only, or it was when I saw that that news piece. Mm. Are you going to take advantage of this, Andrew?
1: I really should. I've got my old Pro Controller and my old Joy-Cons just sitting in my travel case just because it's a convenient place to keep them. I should really send them in and get them fixed. It wouldn't cost me anything. Uh, it wouldn't even cost me time, but I just, like I said last week i'm just lazy so (laughs) if somebody wants to go onto the nintendo support (laughs) site and fill that form out for me i would appreciate it
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh there's a news item on here i did miss Uh, apparently uh, downloaded super mario maker 2 levels will get deleted from a player storage on their device Uh, when they're deleted from the online portal that seems like a mistake or a bad idea is it at least triggered by like the the creator deleting it therefore no
1: it seems to be the levels that nintendo has taken down for nintendo's reasons for taking it down Mm. which is a a problem because basically they are dooming the game to have no long-term life because once the mario maker servers go down which they inevitably will all the levels will disappear with them, and all that will be there is the story mode and levels you make yourself. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's an ideal.
1: Yeah, like, if I want to have Mario Maker and a two terabyte like micro SD card that's just filled with just thousands and thousands and thousands of levels, I should be able to do that. And I don't understand why Nintendo is standing in the way of that because even as it is, there's a hard cap on how many levels you can download in the first place. And there's no real reason for that except Nintendo being Nintendo. So, uh, I, they still have plenty of time to fix these issues, and I hope they do. But right now, they are dooming Mario Maker 2 to be forgotten—not not forgotten, but like lamented. Like, do you think Super Mario Brothers 3 would have the speedrunning community it had today if five years after the NES stopped being produced, that you just couldn't play Mario? Three anymore, (laughs) yeah. Them doing this is just so short-sighted and reckless. And like Mario Maker has a huge community of makers and people who just like watching the levels, so there is still plenty of time for the community to react and hopefully get Nintendo to change this stuff. But right now, it's not looking real great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they they need to sort that out. Uh, It's just sort of like a weird level of control. They consistently want to keep hold of and it's just stuff that would benefit their games if they just listened
1: I kind of get it because like you know if somebody uploads like a level with like a a swastika or something in it they want to get rid of that and then they don't want that level just floating around on other people's hard drives I, I understand that's the reasoning behind being able to delete levels off of people's personal storage devices but I think that's punishing far too many people for uh, an example that wouldn't happen that far reaching so yeah they need to undo this
0: classic baby out with the bathwater Mm. tactics Um, now midway through that uh, chat you nearly gave me a great segue into the next news item (laughs) <laughs> uh, Doomed. About, so Doom One, Two, and Three surprise launched uh, alongside QuakeCon uh, on Switch and other platforms. Um, but the Switch now, version's
1: all anybody cares about. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And I, I actually like rushed onto my Switch and bought all three. Oh lord. Um, and then use, and then they launched <laughs> with some weird online required stuff where you have to sign in with a bethesda account to be able to play it at all uh that led some people to worry that you couldn't play it away from the internet that that was unfounded you could actually just disconnect and reload and it would be fine mm-hmm. um, it's only
1: they, the first time you boot up the game you have to do it yeah
0: they, now they've issued a statement saying that it was uh mandatory by accident which is <laughs> mandatory by accident. because oh sure <laughs> like <laughs> it's a, a it's across three different games. <laughs> uh. no, one, no one noticed this across three different games. One of those games is very different and handled by a different porting company.
1: Or mm. all the QA testing these games must have gone through. <laughs> uh. like, don't give me that. Nobody believes that.
0: <laughs> uh, so, the, But the good news is uh, so I played a little bit of each of them last night uh, when I should have been playing Fire Emblem. Yeah, um, you
2: should have been playing Fire Emblem.
0: And uh, so, first of all, uh, Doom one and two, they hold up pretty well considering. They're still fun to play. they, st- they still have the the rhythm that we we love from first person shooters, even modernized. Um, I remember when the three C, uh, sorry, when the Xbox One first got uh, backwards compatibility. The first game I played on it was Wolfenstein 3D, mm. <laughs> like the oldest one. Just just okay. just to make sure it worked, and I ended up yep. yeah, right. I I, I I ended up <laughs> playing it start to finish. Um. Like just to see if it worked over the weekend. Yeah, just see if it worked. <laughs> um, and I was surprised then. <laughs> I was surprised then how much how well the game had held up. And these are in the same boat. They're pretty good. Doom One seems a little uh, treacly in terms of movement. Uh, Two mm. suffers from that less. It's a lot more responsive. Mm. Um, and three, I've never beaten. I've pl- I've played the first couple of levels like multiple times. It does look like it runs really well and and looks nice considering it's still got those uh, like last gen textures but it looks pretty mm. polished so uh, uh now it's on switch it might be the the time i actually get through and finish it uh i re- vaguely remember andrew not being a big fan of three
1: uh i've never played it so oh, you haven't <laughs> oh, I no. must be thinking of someone else. i'm like, interested I in think. these games but like i i knew I, i'm not going to play them immediately so i'm just going to wait for them to be on sale because especially doom one and two they're on sale for or they retail for five bucks which is great that's that's nothing but i know if i wait i can get them for two or three bucks so (laughs)
0: yeah that's fair um and there was also rumors that doom 64 could be likely i think it was listed on another store that that'd be cool because i think that was a good version
1: it got a peggy rating but only for the playstation 4 which would be really weird if Doom (laughs) 64 didn't come to the nintendo switch but i that's probably just weirdness with the peggy approval process and i would not be at all surprised if doom 64 comes as well doom 64 is excellent it yeah. is it was doom 3 before there was doom 3
0: uh also give us uh the doom SNES port, you cowards it's terrible but i want it. <laughs> <laughs> okay with that let's uh, move on to what we've been playing this week
2: oh yeah time to suffer <music>
0: The big game worth talking about this week is, of course, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, wow. Go, go. that that's that's fine. That's fine. Uh, so I just want to hit you with some uh, pre-release stress that I had. Okay. Um, oh right. Yeah. When, mm-hmm. when it was first announced. Uh, Me, Andrew, and Ginny were all going to play as different houses and just to sort of talk out the differences. Mm -hmm. Andrew dropped out. So I have to think, whenever there's an option for a team with colour in a game, I always go red because it's my favourite colour. It's the colour of my favourite football team. Uh, Um, But in Fire Emblem, they're magic specialists, and I never, ever go for the magic stuff first. I always go for the meathead class. But the meathead class in this game are blue, and that just ruins everything and just... (laughs) stresses me even more oh
2: god Andrew. and then
0: i couldn't consider the golden deer because you know archers
1: are dweebs oh i'm gonna shoot you in the butt with an arrow
2: all these awful reasons to not pick the other houses honestly
1: <laughs> to, to quote alan
0: partridge uh, i don't trust archers the archers or jeffrey archer because they're all deceitful Jeez. cowards so yeah so i went for black eagles i believe you went For the same, because of Edelgard.
2: Uh, Yeah, I had one criteria, the most attractive ruler. So I went for Edelgard. (laughs) Eagles.
0: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I've uh, sucked it up and gone with the magic class for for the sake of my favourite character. But Mm -hmm. I was pleased to see that uh, even though they are magic specialists, they can still wield swords and other weapons. And it doesn't really change what they can use that much, because you can work on that as we'll go into Yeah. Okay, so the story set on the uh, continent of uh, Fodlan, which is split between Adrestrian, which is the Black Eagles, Fargus, which is the Blue Lions, and the Leicester Alliance, which are the Yellow Deer uh, Golden Deer, sorry. The Yellow Deer. Yellow deer. Uh, and each leader of these factions, or at least the next in line, uh, goes to school at this monastery called the Church of Seros. Uh, in this game you play as the former member so the son of a former member of the church who, I, th- I guess he got disenfranchised and left to start a band of mercenaries. Uh, and after a skirmish with some bandits that are causing everyone trouble, they're, they're asked to rejoin, uh, your dad agrees, and then you get drafted in as a teacher for some reason. They <laughs> they never quite go through the reasoning on that, but hey, mm. it, it's cool. Um, and from there, you're sort of working at the the monastery and teaching people and then going out into the the classic combat uh, which is a pretty big evolution so we'll go into that so- shortly so first of all yeah uh, the modest the monastery which is uh something they've hint- hinted at at previous games where you have like a base where you can walk around and talk to people my first thought is this doesn't slow the game down as much as i thought it might have mm-hmm. Um, in that you don't need to explore every day or run around physically you can fast travel anywhere once you've been there once Uh, you get a clear map of where everyone is at any one time so you can go target specific people if you need to and and all the item and weapon management can be done through a menu without having to actually wander down to the market Uh, so in in between all the major stuff I'm having a lot of fun actually just just wandering around and, and taking it all in and talking to people yeah for sure so that brings us on to like the, the calendar system, uh, which is basically the rhythm of the game, and it's very persona. Would you agree, Juni?
2: Yeah. I, I would say it definitely has a lot of persona, social sim elements, right down to how you have to manage your month around like important events and deadlines, and it's kind of up to you what you want to do in the middle and between all those deadlines. Um, it, it does this thing whereby you'll get like a little cutscene and the game will say, oh, you know, in a month from now, there's going to be this big training review of you and your students. Um, so make sure you're all trained up for that thing. And then um, you'll just get, I guess, the rest of the four weeks to do whatever you want, whether that's exploring the grounds of the monastery, getting to know your students, whether that's hardcore grinding them into into training and into battling, whether or not that's just um, taking the time to do side quests for people around the area to get a nose for it, whether or not that's even just training your own character up and what their skills are like, or if it's even just teaching your students, you can do anything you want. And there's not one most efficient way to prepare for some of these events. Um, I am playing on, on hard, I'm playing um, classic. So um, I'm not sure what difficulty you're playing on, Andy, but I found even playing on hard, it wasn't like I... Felt like I needed to spend every waking moment grinding them out in battle towards, you know, to get the optimum levels for whatever the game wanted to happen combat-wise, um, because it's just as feasible to spend your time exploring the monastery and doing all the social sim stuff, because by participating in that aspect, your character gains what's called professor levels. And you basically, these are relevant only to your base essentially. And as you become a more reputable professor and spend time with the students and with the faculty, you get more money to spend on your students and on yourself. You get more resources, more access to parts of the monastery and more access to um, to better training. So it's a worthwhile investment to not just think about grinding your team through a million fights like we used to in Awakening to get levels for anything. Um, the game makes a social sim stuff that Andy mentioned. That's very persona-like, very viable as a pursuit as well.
0: So it's, it's done on a calendar system, month by month. So you you sort of set a bunch of stuff before you go. So you'll do instructions, and that's where you you get like so many um, time time points. I think they call them mobility points, mm-hmm. uh, and where you can like ask your students to to target a particular skill. Um, and they have their favourites they have ones that they'll be more efficient at they have ones that you can see will give them new abilities to use in combat which is a good idea to target those first and foremost, just to unlock that ability mm. um, you can also like train them to use something else that they don't usually use uh, Like and their, their motivation for that sort of depends on their own likes and dislikes uh, each each student has two goals that they will work on in their own time themselves. So they're like their personal personal targets they want to hit. So uh Edelgard is that uh, wants to improve her her axe work and um whatever else that <laughs> I can't remember what other other goal she had. Um, Authority, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. that's right. Um, like her
2: leadership skills. Yeah.
0: Um and but you if you don't wanna be bogged down in dealing with student by student, you can actually automate it. In fact, much of this busy work in between can be automated, really, if you want. Um, it's up to you how much you engage with it, because things do tick along without you, just I th- you have a better chance of tailoring it how you want, and more mm. effectively doing it yourself. You can set team tasks, uh, where you pick two characters to uh, work together to do like a chore in the monastery, and that will teach them new skills, so some of them will learn more about horse riding, or flying the Pegasus, um, or... Gardening yeah gardening just helps with other like resilience and things like that and and gets you some cool items to use to craft stuff later um if you are spotting weaknesses in your in your party you can try and uh, recruit people from other houses by uh scaling up your own teacher level in certain ways or hitting other goals um and then they'll be more enough happy to come and join you uh i I really enjoy this aspect and it yeah it's definitely quicker. Like, the calendar system makes it speed through a lot quicker than I thought. Because um, from the pre-release stuff, it just looked like it was a lot of wandering around the monastery, and it's it's really not.
2: If you want to um, take the scenic route, you can. Um, there are lots of cats and owls and dogs around to to kind of watch, if that's your thing. You can't pet them. You can watch them. Um, but, yeah, I think that the way they've done it is really good, whereby you plan your, your week, essentially, and you kind of bang out of one hit, and then they play that out for you. You don't need to, to do day by day so it's a, a good mix of someone like me who likes the social sim stuff but i also wouldn't want to do it wouldn't want to run my town animal crossing style like if i wanted to play like a farm simulator i would play Stardew valley i wouldn't want to play fire emblem um three houses so the way that they spread it out i think is really persona inspired and it's done really really well for a franchise that hasn't really integrated this stuff successfully at all in the past so i think it's done a really good job
0: uh, then, uh, when you do actually get into the combat, uh, this is where it's um, most like the Fire Emblem everyone loves. So it's the the usual classic grid turn based system. It's a, a strategy RPG uh, where you you know you move around the grid. You have to be wary of the distances that enemies can attack and use that to your advantage. Same with like terrain and you know using the forest to sort of make make yourself harder to hit and. And things like that. The big surprise here was that there was no weapon wheel anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. That blows yeah. me away, yeah. honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's re- really interesting. Uh,
2: there are still weapons though that are highly effective against different armor and class types, so that still yeah. exists. There's just not the the weapon triangle of, um, and to say that it's been removed completely is not really correct because um, when you get far enough on into the game. Um, Maybe even past hour fifteen or so. Once you're like B or B plus rank with weapons, which is not hard to do because you fight quite a bit and you, you can train these weapon skills independently. Um, for example, X wielders get skills. Um, get a skill called Lance Breaker, which obviously makes them effective against lances, which is how the weapon yeah. triangle worked in the first place.
0: Yeah, it, it, well, I guess it, I guess it's been more appropriated. It doesn't exist in its its usual. original form. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah so the the previous games sort of leaned slightly into the idea of the the units you're moving around being little armies and not just like the hero characters like it was pretty much in awakening whereas mm-hmm. this is the first one that actually visually reinforces this idea of a large scale battle happening so yeah. you you move your character you do the attack and then it zooms into this uh, like big scene there's fights happening in the background there's people following you and cheering when you do something amazing but not only that you can at any point while you're selecting thing you can actually zoom down um from from the grid perspective right down right down to the ground level and just in an instant doesn't have to load anything it's just it just looks really amazing and smooth to sort of like zoom down right down to the the most molecular level of the the battle and see see it how the characters are seeing it so it's like you've almost got like this tactical view, and then the you know what's actually happening view. Mm. Uh, and I wasn't expecting that. I thought it would just be the the top down, and then into a cutscene sort of thing. And it's it, it's definitely more impressive. Uh, and then also reinforcing that idea of a large scale battle is the battalion system, where you can uh, hire an additional group of soldiers that sit with one of your your main characters. Uh, and when you use them, they sort of rush the enemy uh, in attacks called gambits. And these have, like, heaps of effects, so, like, you can use them to move characters around the board, like, knock them back a, s- a square, or um, some of them add status effects to, like, make a character dizzy so they can't attack you or counterattack. Um, that system's really cool, and uh, so far it's been fairly good when there's been, like... I- I'm hesitant to call it a boss boss fight, but, you know, uh, like a more powerful unit. It's been a good right, way to right. do all those Yeah, for me. Mm-hmm that's about where i am at the moment like i like i said before i'm I'm still only really early in Ginny's in uh like hour 18 and um, so i'm i'm pretty sure uh this has expanded even more for her
2: <laughs> yeah um the, the combat really does go a lot of places i think they even in hour 18 i'm still kind of being drip fed more interesting information about how uh terrain can work in this game um but uh, for those that have played a lot of Fire Emblem um, games, um, you will, you won't exactly be approaching this. It's not going to feel like a whole new beast. It will just feel like they've streamlined the existing experience, but not, not at the expense of the, of the combat difficulty. If you're a masochist like me and you always want to play on hard and want your teammates to die and really feel the pain, that will still happen. Um, that is still something which can happen. But um, there is a mechanic, which I'm going to mention, which I don't think Andy might have encountered yet at this stage, but it is a big part of, of the combat. It's also in all the reviews so far. There's something called uh, like uh, the Dragon Pulse um, from, if you guys remember what happened in Fates and Conquest, the uh, mysterious dragon skills that everyone had. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use this pulse and you can essentially rewind to an earlier point in the battle. So let's say you've made a move. This is a limited use thing, obviously. Let's say you've made a dire error and it's all kind of gone downhill from there. And you know that if you just hadn't moved your Archer in that spot and they hadn't been exposed to this or, you know, you hadn't lost the character right then and there, you would have made it through, for example. Or if you're in a tight timed map with uh, only a couple of turns left and 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 you sort of are ending turns to lure the enemy in, you end one too many and now you're on the short end of the stick you can rewind to an earlier point in the battle of your choosing before it all kind of goes wrong and replay from that point on. So that in itself is really exciting. Um, I found that I've used it sort of as a... I've used it to, to supplement my high-risk, high-reward playstyle. Um, so <laughs> if, I, if I gamble on a turn with Edelgard and I see that both... And, you know, their predictive combat meter says eel guard and the boss are both going to die um, I go all right I'll coin toss it and um, if I'm unlucky and eel guard dies then I, I rewind using the pulse and I bang at it again and most of the time the second time around I come out on top because that's how the odds <laughs> work in this game so I use it to supplement my high risk kind of reward play style other people might use it to find other alternative strategies because obviously there are things on them there are terrain that will you know as with the other games teleport you around warp you around to unknown places and if you're on a tight time map, you don't really know where all these new areas lead to. Um, Once you figure it out, you can rewind back to an earlier point in the game and in the battle story and actually stick the landing this time. So I find that an interesting mechanic um, and I've really enjoyed using it sparingly, um, but I have found it valuable and I do find it fun. I I, I quite like that you can rewind to to an earlier point and try a different strategy if you like. If you want to run different strats with your team, you can use it that way too. It's really up to you if you want to use it or not It's optional. And yeah, no, I like that innovation for the combat. I'm enjoying it.
0: Um, and just to clarify, because you did ask earlier, but I, I didn't get a chance to answer. Um, I'm playing uh, normal difficulty, but with permadeath.
2: Yeah, permadeath is the one. Yeah, that is the way to
0: do it. I'm I'm determined to like make a mistake and live with it, except you know even if the rewind thing doesn't work out for me
2: everybody hurts
0: cool uh that's all i've got at this point um i assume you haven't hit the the big event yet that changes everything
2: um i am coming up onto it like i've the the plot kind of shoves you in a direction whereby stuff is escalating very very clearly to all yep. and sundry and the kind of signposts something is wrong in giant neon <laughs> lights and like the, even the kids themselves get more fatalistic about their futures and you're <laughs> like oh this is kind of going to a dark place um, but no I've, I've really enjoyed it really the more you play the more you engage in the social sim stuff the more options and avenues combat wise open up to you whether that's recruiting new people to supplement your house's roster so as Andy said uh, the black eagles are very very initially full of chock full of magic users and while you can reclass that often takes time, effort, seals, um, when you can easily supplement your retinue by just recruiting someone else that you fancy from a different house. Um, and as far as I've accounted yet, there's no bad blood from Claude or Dimitri or the other leaders if you do recruit someone like that, because um, these kids are all at school together. Like really, you're kind of playing Hogwarts boarding school here, you're not really playing life or death games essentially quite okay. yet at this stage of the story. So. I've enjoyed that freedom. I've really enjoyed being able to build my own team the way I want it. And um, I am pretty happy so far. The romance sim stuff that I've dealt with and I've gotten reasonably far in um, because I've just been determined on that front. um, Doesn't have any of the weird petting that they had in um, in in Awakening that was really, really strange and kind of no like blowing into the mic to simulate anything weird like the, the worst it gets is I sit down and have tea with someone that I fancy and we have a nice conversation and they say, what a great time. So it's nothing creepy. I've not encountered anything creepy and underword currently. Um, so I think it's 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 handled all of its kind of mishmash of aspects, social persona, dating stuff and the combat stuff really well considering how many innovations and how many evolutions of the existing formula they've kind of tacked on to this one so i'm enjoying it i'm going to keep playing this all of this week and um, i think andy probably will too
0: yeah I'm, I'm i'm enjoying it but i haven't played enough to really say one way or the other whether i'm enjoying anything but the combat at this point yep. so yeah um yeah so that's it we'll we'll fill you in on that when we've got more progress to make uh, maybe after we hit the big event in the game
2: so just one more thing though on the relationship dating sim front so i am going i'm playing a, a character who's a woman um, i'm playing the, the the mercenary who's a woman and i'm also going to romance um, characters who are women um, as that is my prerogative and i can do that and that so far is fine um, but i have i'm not playing a male character i'm not going to pursue a male romance but i've definitely seen a lot of material out there already um, about the the woeful lack of I suppose meaningful male-male intimacy in terms of the relationships available in this game I know that one of the options for sure um, is someone that you can pursue a full social link romance with um, up to the S rank which is essentially what the romance we're getting married kind of rank is in Fire Emblem but um, the game kind of chickens out at the very last minute and goes kidding you guys are great friends enjoy that one you guys are just buddies so that is not good that is bad Um, don't like that at all Um, it is obviously not historically as problematic as Fire Emblem's treatment um, of romance of same-sex relationships in other games we had that awful debacle with um, that character who was a woman who was into other women who requested that the protagonist drug her um, and then so that she'd stop thinking about women in that way. And then she somehow, I guess, falls for the protagonist, who is male, which is just it's, it's a whole terrible thing and very bad and not good. Um, but and obviously so far what I've seen of the of the women focused relationships has been all right. But still, if you're looking at romance options and you want to play a canonically queer, or canonically gay character, you have something like three options for the women and two for the men and one of those options for the men is the guy that is just apparently your best buddy. So that is something that I I think I understand people having issues with and I can see how that can be something that might put people off the game entirely if you're someone that was going to there's that was really buying to the social sim aspect you might find that And I understand that completely. So that is the one thing that I would want to warn people of if you were looking forward to romancing Claude because we've all seen Claude's thirsty screenshots floating around the internet and you thought, that guy gonna look great paired with my male mercenary. Can't happen. I'm sorry, Claude is straight. So just bear that in mind if you are someone that focuses really, really hard on these social sim aspects of JRPGs And you are queer and you're expecting to be able to run the full gamut of love interests. A lot of the press about this game at the start covered these same-sex romance options very positively, I suspect, because people had A, only played an hour worth of previews, maybe got to have, you know, hold hands and have tea once or twice, and that was it. Uh, But now that people have actually played the whole game through and played these romance routes through, they are not as in, they do not feel as in-depth, I would say, from what people are saying as the heterosexual relationships may feel especially if you're a man trying to romance with a male character so i will keep that in mind um if that is something which i know is very important to a lot of my queer friends so just have that in back in mind when you do want to check this game out and you were hoping you know against or hoping for a really really fulfilling you know male and male romance that didn't rely at all on stereotypes probably not going to get it here i would say so just keep that in mind going forward.
0: Yeah, uh, thanks for covering that because I am um, I can be blind to that sort of stuff. So yeah, good chat. Um, the the one less serious thing I wanted to mention is uh, Bernadette is voiced by the voice actress who does uh, Agritsuko.
2: Oh yeah. Uh,
0: and Edelgard is voiced by Washimi from Agritsuko, and I will protect the pair of them with my lives <laughs> on this basis alone. Amen. Um okay so yeah so uh, so far so good some caveats um if you're after a certain thing from the game um mm. uh, doesn't excuse some of the stuff that happens in that i'm sure but yeah so uh, let's move on Okay guys, what are we playing this week? Andrew, is that with you?
1: I'm going to be playing Attack on Titan 2 Final Battle, which is an expansion for a game I played last year. And I'll also be playing a strategy game, so there will be a big strategy extravaganza in our next episode. Mutant Year Zero Road to Eden Deluxe Edition is out Tuesday. Oh yeah. I'll be picking that up as well.
0: That game looks absolutely my jam as a mixture of stealth and uh, turn-based strategy. Um, I've heard it's very difficult.
1: Yeah, Um, I hope it's a good port on the Switch. I'm kind of taking a gamble on getting it on this platform, but we'll see.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would like it, but also it's on uh, Game Pass on both Xbox and on PC, and I could play it on Uh, my new PC, so maybe I'll try it there for free before I delve in, but uh, yeah, it totally looks like my sort of thing, and if it wasn't for Fire Emblem, that would be a day one for sure. Uh, Ginny, Mm. what are you playing?
2: I'm definitely just going to keep checking along on Fire Emblem, and I shelved bloodstain for a while because i got really busy but i do 100% complete that and andrew being done with it has motivated me so i'm gonna try that and then once all that's wrapped up i will go back to dragon quest builders and the cult of building which has absorbed my soul
1: yay
0: <laughs> nice i'm gonna be playing fire emblem for the next infinity uh, especially yeah. considering how little progress i've made this weekend um also, uh, I had hoped to have played some of uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood, mm, uh, that's but right, I, was, yeah. I was off work and unable to pick up my copy, so I'll be getting that this week, and hopefully I'll have some impressions for you next week.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of Switchworkers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, because it really helped to get us noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services, and we're also on Spotify, so check us out over there as well. Um, You can also join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community, follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content, and we'll leave links for stuff that we've mentioned to you guys in the show notes as well. Um, if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. The details are on our website, and also as a pin post in our really cool Discord server, where everyone has really cute pets for some reason. So uh, come and hang out, and uh, people can follow us individually as well. Andy is at Flame Rose Toast. Andrew is at Play Critically. It also streams at Twitch TV slash Play Critically sometimes, and I am Ginny at Ginny Woes. Thank you and good night. Mm-hmm.
1: clickin' time clickin' time clickin' time clickin' time never need a reason never need a rhyme it's clickin' time I don't have any coconuts to bang together